This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. The poem says, Human voices wake us and we drown. But I've made this podcast with the belief that human voices are what we need. And so, whether from a year or 3,000 years ago, whether poetry or prose, whether fiction or diary or biography, here are the best things we have ever thought, written, or said. In the last episode, I read a section from one of Studs Terkel's books and talked about how sometimes the good intentions of making a good piece of art are undermined by simply allowing people to naturally tell their own story or just by a very good writer telling someone's story extremely simply and extremely well. Uh, One example of this comes from Andrew Solomon's book, Far From the Tree, about parenting and about parenting difficult or handicapped or challenged children. And this is another example, the same as from Turkel, where you have four pages in a 700-page book. Just excise this right out and you have an entire universe. This is the story of one family, and it comes from a chapter on uh, children who are born deaf. Jackie Roth did not grow up at the best time to be deaf, but she grew up in better times than her parents had. Walter Roth, Jackie's father, was an unusually beautiful baby, and his mother was thrilled with her son until she found out he was deaf, at which point she wanted nothing more to do with him. She was so ashamed, Jackie said. Walter was given to his grandmother to raise. My great-grandmother had no understanding of deafness, Jackie said, but she had a heart. Unsure what to do with Walter, she sent him to 11 different schools, deaf schools, hearing schools, special schools but he never learned to read or write past a third grade level. He was so handsome that he seemed to glide along despite these limitations. Then he fell in love with Rose, 10 years his senior, whose first marriage had fallen apart because she was infertile. Walter said he didn't want to have children anyway, and they were married. Two months later, Rose was pregnant with Jackie, and Walter's mother declared it an outrage. Walter and Rose were not proud of their deafness. When they found out that their daughter, too, was deaf, they both cried. Walter's mother shunned her new grandchild in favor of the hearing daughter Walter's sister had produced. Walter's siblings had married well. They had expensive weddings and bar mitzvahs in New York. But because Walter, uneducated, was working as a manual laborer in a printing plant, he and Rose lived in relative poverty. 
they would sit at a table in the corner at those functions, shunned, desperately trying to look as though they belonged. You would have liked my dad, Jackie said. Everybody loved him, but he cheated on my mom all the time. He was a gambler who would do anything to get money, but we never had any. Yet, Walter had both warmth and imagination, which Rose did not. My mother wrote beautifully, Jackie said. My dad was nearly illiterate, but he would sit at dinner with a dictionary, pick a word, and throw it at me. What does that mean? It was my dad, who had no skills, who pushed me. My mother just wanted me to get married, have kids, meet someone who could take care of me. Walter was the one who emphasized putting your best foot forward. Jackie says, He always said to me, You're never going to get out of the house looking like a poor girl. If you feel crappy, you don't let anybody know that. You walk with your head up. Jackie was never allowed to sign in public. Her mother found it embarrassing. Yet, neither of Jackie's parents ever had a hearing friend. It's as if the deaf community were my extended family, Jackie said. My mother always worried about how other deaf people perceived them. She would get upset about my dad's behavior because her deaf friends would look down on them. If I did something wrong, she worried about my image in front of other deaf people. Many deaf people have some residual hearing. They can hear loud noises or they can hear certain registers of sound, perhaps the high or low part of a sound. Jackie had good residual hearing, and she was a genius at sound discrimination and lip reading. This meant that, with hearing aids, she could function in the larger world. With amplification devices, she could even use the phone. And by the time she was 17, she had attended four different schools while she tried to figure out who she was. Am I deaf? Am I hearing? Am I what? I have no idea. All I know is that I was lonely, she said. At Lexington, she found herself picked on for not being deaf enough. At other schools, she was picked on for being deaf. Her younger sister, Ellen, who was completely deaf, was a boarding school student at Lexington. Her path looked easier and more straightforward to Jackie. Jackie was always pulled between the two worlds, and thanks to her, to her oral skills, she became the family interpreter. When it came time to meet with the doctor, it was, Jackie, come here, she recalled. When it came time to meet with the lawyer, it was, Jackie, come here. I saw too much. I grew up much, much too fast. One evening, when Jackie was 13, her aunt called and said, Jackie, tell your dad to meet us at the hospital. His mother is dying. Weeping, Walter rushed off to the hospital. When he returned at five o'clock in the morning, he began flicking the lights on and off to wake up his wife and daughter. Walter was doing some kind of a jig and signing, Mom deaf, Mom deaf. Walter's mother had been given powerful antibiotics to combat a life-threatening infection, and the medicine had destroyed her auditory nerves. In the weeks that followed, Walter was there every day to help her. He wanted to earn her love, Jackie recalled. He wanted for the first time to have a mother. Never happened. She never wanted his advice or insight or even his tenderness.
Yet, seven years later, when Jackie laughed at her funeral, Walter slapped her across the face. Only time in my life he did that, Jackie said. It finally occurred to me that he loved his mother no matter what. When Jackie was 15, Walter was hired as a printer at the Washington Post, commuting home to New York to spend the weekends with his family. He was in a terrible car accident, just a few weeks short of getting his union card. He was in a coma for a week, hospitalized for months, and unable to work for a year. Because he had not yet joined the union, he had no health insurance. The family, already financially strained, was now forced into bankruptcy. Jackie falsified her age and found work as a cashier at a supermarket where she began stealing food. When she was fired, she had to admit it to Rose, who was horrified. The next day, Rose swallowed her pride and asked Walter's family for money. They made a mockery of her, and they didn't even give her a dime, Jackie said. Being alone in the world with all those relatives, it's much worse than just being alone. It eats away at you. Living at school, Ellen was protected from the breakdown of the marriage, but Jackie lived through every dark moment. Because I was their interpreter, I became their referee, she said. I had so much power, too much power. When I talk about it, it sounds so sad. But I'm not sad about it. They were wonderful parents. Whatever money they had, they spent on my sister and me. They went the extra mile, and then they fought about it right in front of my eyes, and I love them. My father was a dreamer. If I said I wanted to be a singer, he never said, deaf girls can't. He just told me to sing. Jackie was accepted to college at UCLA in the early 1970s, at the beginning of deaf pride. Rose couldn't believe there were interpreters at the university. Why would hearing people sign, she said to Jackie. Jackie used the physical distance to start fresh. In college, I regressed, she said. It took me a long time to grow up again. Walter died in 1986 when Jackie was 30. Rose mourned his death, but she was happier without him, and her relationship with Jackie improved. When her own health deteriorated, Jackie invited her to move in with her in Lower Manhattan. She still recollected humiliations from when she was a little girl, years and years of bitterness, Jackie said. I never want to be like that. As her father had urged, Jackie has lived in a far larger world than her parents were able to, working as an actress, a real estate agent, an entrepreneur, a beauty queen, an activist, a filmmaker, and she has none of her mother's bitterness. Her sparkling grace and admirable toughness have emerged from a collaboration between her intelligence and will. The cost, however, has been considerable. Walter's mother rejected him for being deaf. Rose's deafness prevented her from making use of her mind. Ellen went away to school and became marginal within her own family. And Jackie's gift for sound discrimination forced her into premature maturity. Being deaf was a curse in the family but so was hearing. I first met Jackie Roth in her late 30s in 1993. 
in her 50s now, she became involved in the communications industry, working on internet relays to allow deaf and hearing people to communicate via interpreters. She joined the board of a foundation that taught parents sign and taught them how to support children with cochlear implants that provide synthetic hearing. Her work focused on bridging the cultures, just what she'd done in her own family. When she turned 55, she threw herself a birthday party. It was a bounteous event, generous to all the people she loved, and it brought out the best in everyone. It was almost like I had lived in two very separate worlds all my life, deaf and hearing, she said. A lot of my hearing friends had never seen the deaf side. The deaf people had never seen my hearing side. It was very wonderful for me to see everybody in one place. I couldn't do without either, and I finally realized that that's who I was. Thinking about the anxiety these issues have generated, I am my mother's daughter. But isn't it great that I figured out that at a party? I am my father's daughter, too. Any comments or suggestions for readings I should make in future episodes can be emailed to Human Voices Wake Us, the number one, at gmail.com. Links to each work used in this episode can be found in the episode description. If you enjoy Human Voices Wake Us, you can subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. The music here is Duke Ellington's Arabesque Cookie.